Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. This episode of Dum De Da is sponsored by Licker You Like on the Felsham Road. The chap's called Hammered and he's so lovely. Doesn't mind if you come in twice a day. Don't tell anyone, thank you very much. G'day, this is Calypso Archibald. I'm the older sister of Gemme Archibald and the daughter of Millie Bell. Dum de dum de dum de dum de dum de dum 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 di diddly dum di diddly dum di diddly dum dum di dum di dum di dum dum di diddly dum. This is Dum di Dum, the show about the reality ducky drama that's centered on Ambridge in the heart of the Midlands. I'm the Miss Marvel, that is Royfield Brown, and with me I have the Miss Marple, that is Lucy Freeman. And the most important part of our team of Avengers is you. Now, today's rendition of Barrett Green is brought to you by. Hmm, Lucy, what did I say last week about Calypso's? Uh, uh, dumpty dum. Yeah, you said we were playing it because uh, no one else had given us any. And I said it's going to be the last time, didn't I? Yeah. Well, I lied. We've got it again. <laughs> <laughs> Can't we use Miss Alliance? Because we were going to use her. Hmm. And then it switched to. Uh, All right. Then. Didn't it? Okay. Why, why don't we have a bumper medley of dumpty dums and have Calypso and Miss Alliance? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, there yes, we yes, go. Yes, there yes. you go. Right. Now, if. Lucy, if mm-hmm. people want to, <laughs> which they clearly don't, they, they don't. Not exactly do they? gagging to, are they? No, no, no. Yes. I think that, that that novelty bolt has been shot, hasn't it? Yeah. Sending a dumpty dum. <laughs> so what are we going to do? Well, if you've shot your novelty bolt, I don't know. <laughs> quite frankly. <laughs> well, let's put out one last plea, Lucy. Okay. If our listeners would like to win the accolade of dumpty dum of the week, what should they do? 
We need some more Dumpty Dump. So if you can sing, fart, Barwick Green, or play a kazoo with an unusual part of your anatomy, give us a ring on 02030313105 and leave us a Dumpty Dump. You can also get in touch via SpeakPipe with your plot predictions or your suggestions for what Ginny Throckmorton might have been doing with the Maypole. And we have an important announcement this week. The nation rejoiceth at the birth of a baby girl. Yes, Harriet at Shambridge's had a baby girl on Friday. What? I said yay. Oh, sorry. So many congratulations to her and to little Ruth, Helen, Jill, Lillian, Jolene, Linda, Jennifer, Phoebe, Kate, Fallon, Carmichael. And if she's not called that, there's going to be trouble. Uh, thanks also to Derek for the loan of the back bedroom. Derek's a bit out of sorts at the moment. It was National Naked Gardening Day on Friday and something mm. unpleasant got stuck up his agapanthus. <laughs> I tell you what, right. I told somebody to go and have a look at the Dumpty Dum feed and they were in their workplace on Friday. Oh no, they didn't and they go on when I was posting. Oh. rebuke. Oh, no, it was on Saturday, wasn't it? But they were at work. They got a rebuke because of you, Ooh. Freeman. Sorry. I got carried away mm. with my naked pictures. Didn't you just? So um, I think, Miss Freeman, mm-hmm. we should um, rattle on with the show at great speed because we have a barrel load. A, no, a shed load. An aircraft hangar load of caller in don't we? We do. And we have calls from Moinus and Goddess Diva who have views on our row last week. Did we have a row? It was a, a strident discussion. Hmm. Yes. Uh, Yokel Bear, who thinks we're back on track. Uh, Paul Room. Oh, love me some Paul Room, who is struggling to cope with Derby County. Hey, uh, you know what? I did guffaw with, with the way that <laughs> Devon Lock like with their collapse. But anyway, uh, more on that later. Bly Spirit. I love Bly Spirit. Who thinks the theft of the Maypole was deliberate? And we actually know what happened now, don't we? We do, yes. We do. But anyway, Cosmo is here with some financial news. So we'll have special financial news music. John the First, who's a man on the verge of a nervous breakdown. Jacqueline Bordeaux, who says that Alistair has gone weird. Vicky Cole, who's worried that she's missed the moment. And Witherspoon in his corner. Oh, you know what? Guess what? 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 Did I tell you I'm going to Canada in a couple of weeks? Hey. Yep, going to go see my kids. Oh. Guess who is also going to be in Canada. Not with time. a spoon. Yep. No! We're going to be you in bugger. Toronto at the same to time. I'm so excited. So excited to finally meet the most important person on the show. <sighs> I'm so jealous. By popular demand, he so outshines you and I. I know. Mm. This is actually... With a spoon's corner, with a bit of the archers, isn't it, really? <laughs> with a bit of Royfield and Lucy tacked yeah. on. Mm. <laughs> but anyway, with a spoon, in his corner, our resident New York therapist who compares mother and son relationships. But first, before we get to those juicy bits, Lucy, <laughs> why don't you tell us about the last week in Ambridge? <laughs> This week in Ambridge was sponsored by texting. For all the years I've been listening, no one in Ambridge even had a phone. They never rang each other. They used to drive round to each other's houses and say, Oh, I just popped in on the off chance. And if you wanted to tell someone something, you stood in silence next to someone else 
and you waited for a third party to swan up. Then they said, hello, you two, you look serious. And then you said, <laughs> well, so-and-so's just told me about this, blah, blah, blah. But now they've suddenly rocketed into 1995 and they're all texting each other. David texted Jim, Helen texted Neil, Kenton texted Fallon, Tom texted Peggy. It was non-stop binging and bonging. Not Jolene, though. She had her set on vibrate. Hootie Jill is working on the cake for Ednema. Everyone mm. seems to have squished their names together now, like Brangelina. It's a low-key cake for a traditional country wedding. Two Greg's Eccles cakes sandwiched with Nutella. Ed is having his suit altered by Clary Love. Looks like it was made for you, said Eddie. Now she's taken the extra leg off and removed the hump. Then he went on to say, it's made you look two inches taller. What's it got in it? Stilts? Clary Love has got nothing to wear for the wedding. So mm. Linda has detailed Fallon to help her find a dress. Something vintage. That means second hand, smelling of someone else's deodorant, but more expensive than Oxfam. <laughs> Uh, Linda was up the pole without a ribbon, which works quite well as a metaphor for Linda's general eccentricity, but in actual fact she'd mislaid the maypole. Easy to do, it's only 15 foot long and covered in ribbons. I was going to suggest she checked Charlie's cords, but Ginny Throckmorton had it. <laughs> Bloody Ginny, light fingers Throckmorton, if it's not nailed down she'll have it. It was nice to catch up with Joe and Eddie. Joe uttered those fateful words, Looks like things are finally coming good for our Edward, which only ever means things. Which only, exactly, only ever means things are going to go unutterably publicly and lavishly wrong in the next mm. three days. Uh, we met Rex Fairbrother, who pleasingly is the son of Jeffrey Fairbrother of 80s sitcom Heidi High. Bing bong! It's very useful having Joe around when we meet new characters as he continually uses their full names in conversation. Well then, Rex Fairbrother, another pint of shies would go down very nicely, Rex Fairbrother. Maybe Joe could follow the newer characters around the village for a bit for the benefit of the listener. Now then, new Pip Archer, have a chat with new Tom Archer. Rex and Toby Fairbrother mm. want to farm geese and turkeys, which would be a competition for the Grundies, but only if they were geese and turkeys that could read horoscopes or perform reflexology. Over at the bull. Jolene and Kenton have hit the skids. Well, they've not so much hit the skids as hit them, slid off the end, lost their grip, and the earth is now plummeting towards them at high speed. Do you remember what the ball used to be like at lunch times? Said Kenton, over sound effects of some desultory chinking. Dead as the green burial ground, as I recall, but the way Kenton was talking, he made it sound like Vegas on New Year's Eve. <laughs> so, of course, Kenton decided to cheer himself up with an opportunity to do his local radio DJ impression and shout bonhomie through a megaphone. He groped around and discovered the May Day Festival. So we were lined up for an afternoon of cider, prancing about the button girls dressed as watering cans and everyone saying it's community that counts. He said he'd ordered a side of Morris men. I normally order a side of fries if pushed, but I'm clearly unimaginative. At home farm, Kate bought a new lamp. She is standing on her own two feet for once. It's high time I got my own place bought for me, decorated and furnished by my father, she said determinedly. There was a lot of chat about a herbal lay, which I thought was Kate after a bottle of Chardonnay, but turned out to be some wild grass crop. Peggy told Tony that she'd got bored and before she knew what she'd done, she'd booked a cab to the solicitors and changed her will for the 48th time. The solicitors are writing it on an Etch-a-Sketch now. Then she hauled out the toy car that Tony had always wanted. He can play with it when David gets his train set out. Honestly, what is wrong with these men? 
David then became Detective David, King of the Culverts. I reckon Tichinob bunged them up to minimise the risk of the cow's cubicle flooding. Arrest him at once, harassment. Don't wait for proof. It's fine. Stop running around the green shouting dee-da dee-dah. Still, I never even knew cows had their own cubicles. That's quite sweet. Lots of little cubicles filled with cows on monitors on mobile saying, Clive, can we beat? There's a glitch in the spreadsheet. <laughs> and most startlingly of all, Tony has developed... <gasps> what was that, Lucy? <laughs> Tony has developed okay. a compulsion for ginger nuts, he told his mother. A drastic change of <laughs> lifestyle is not surely a good idea for a man in his fragile health, but you have our blessing, old chap. The end. I thought there's some quite meaningful uh, pointers to the depth of relationships between uh, the generations last week. I was touched beyond belief with Ed and Eddie. Oh, the best man thing. I was touched. I was genuinely, genuinely touched. Yeah. And as somebody who's into a little bit of Formula One, Peggy and our Tony, and she got his Jack Brabham Mm. uh, Formula One car. I was completely... Oh, is it a Formula One car? Yes. Oh, I didn't know. I just thought it was a boring Yeah, he was the Australian two-time Formula One champion Ah. in the early 60s. So that would have been absolutely spot on the time when, you know, Tony would have wanted that toy. I was absolutely... I thought it was a a lovely touch. Yeah. A lovely touch. Um, But... uh, the extra sketch line in there i don't know whether we can actually throw that in because you're you know you're excluding our younger listeners there. <laughs> we're not going to know what an extra sketch is lucy so you gonna have to explain what one of those is for anybody you know, that wasn't around in at least the early 80s do you know what the mm. other day I, this is t- sorry i'm digressing somewhat but it's about kind of saying things that make perfect sense to you and then your children or the younger generation mm. go the what and you think oh no um I played because I thought they'd find it funny. I was uh, talking to the children about, about we were talking about different dance styles and I was talking to them about headbanging. And I played them the clip on Wayne's World of them all in the car singing along to Queen. Yeah. You know, where they're all nodding away. And um, the children sat through it completely stony-faced and looked a bit mystified. And And I was laughing away like a nutter. And then I said, what's the matter? And they said, what was that? What was that? plastic square thing that he put in the car and I said that was a tape and they said what's that (laughs) (laughs) and I just thought oh no it's terrible (laughs) so the whole thing didn't make sense to them because they couldn't work they didn't realize that the plastic thing was somehow connected to the music that was playing in the car so Mm. they were just waiting for that bit to be explained thinking what the hell anyway an etch-a-sketch was Oh, do I really have to? Everyone knows what an etch sketch was, for goodness sake. Google uh, it. Jen Bay Archibald has no idea what an etch sketch is, and she's listening. <sighs> yeah, Explain well, Jen Bay away. to be in bed, quite frankly. Um, no, she's because she's in the car on the way to school, isn't she? Mm. It's a thing. It was a little square thing with knobs on, and you could dial the knobs right or left, and it drew pictures, I guess through some kind of iron filing malarkey. I'm not quite sure how mm. that actually came out. How did the picture actually get on the screen? You're right, it was some kind of magnetic iron yeah. filing thing. And, and then you the lines wiped them away, didn't they? The yes. white, they? They pulled away the iron filings and then but you then shook it. But then inevitably too. you forgot what it was and drew on it properly and then were outraged <laughs> when you shook it and it, there was biro marks all over it. Maybe that was just me, but I'm sure it wasn't. Did I tell you that a couple of weeks ago, a couple of months ago, my issue was around at the at the flat and i've got an old rotary phone 
and I told her to go and ring somebody, I don't know, a grand, grandmother or something. She says, how do I do that? I went, just use the phone. It's ridiculous. She goes, dad, how do I use this phone? And I realised it's a rotary phone. She's mm. never seen one before. <laughs> I went, well, you put your finger in uh, the corresponding number and pull it around. I just... But when you it, say it, it sounds ludicrous. It sounds totally ludicrous. But I just couldn't believe it. She said, Well, after I'd explained to the children, you know, about the tape thing, which sounded peculiar enough, mm. they were fascinated. They said, what did you have before that? And I said, records. And they said, what were they? <laughs> and I said, <laughs> you know, if you say a black plastic with grooves on it, a bit, you know, a disc of black plastic, and you put it on a thing and then a needle went in the grooves and somehow, the, you know, music came out. That sounds even more nice. They were staring at me as if I'd just... You know, landed on a landed on Earth, yeah, and and had just lived. No wonder they say to me things like, "I've got, we're doing the Boa War at school. Could you tell me about it?" <laughs> things like that. <laughs> <laughs> what was it like when you were in it? Mm. Oh. But no, it's it, uh, yes, we we are getting older. We are getting older. You're but not, on, though, are you? <laughs> mm, no, you are. Yes, but you, we're not allowed to say you are. No, we because have to pretend I, that you're getting I, younger for some reason. I, I've got narcissistic tendencies, and one of yeah. them is the fact that I am I cannot uh, I cannot be comfortable with the fact that I'm actually getting older. Can I, Mister Witherspoon? No, no. Right now, smashing. Now we've got that out <laughs> the way. Let's crack on with these caller inners because we have right. got a shed load. Hello, Ambridge three nine six two. Hello Dumpty Dum, it's Diane here, one of some of the Twitters. Um, going to talk about last week's podcast and Rob and Helen. Um, I've been trying all day to do this recording and I've been finding it very difficult to get the words out without being um, going ballistic. So I'm going to try and keep calm. Um, about you, you two's a little contretemps last week about Helen and Rob. I, I'm team Lucy all the way on this um, because I, I think sort of no, we've we've got this expectation that this storyline is going to develop and there is going to be a big Gustave type explosion, whether it's Rob finally hitting Helen or hitting uh, Henry or Helen actually getting in there first and doing an Eastender style iron against the head against Rob. I don't know if that's going to happen, but we're forgetting what is actually happening now. Yes, Rob might be picking up Henry from nursery or you know, reading him a bedtime story, but he's also destroying Helen's psyche. He is negging her, he's gaslighting her, and he's controlling her. He's trying very, very hard to make sure that she becomes a house fry, frau sorry, to satisfy his needs. That's all he's really interested in. So, as far as I'm concerned, it doesn't matter about the positive stuff that can be seen. Helen is experiencing this stuff now. She knows there is something wrong. She is scared. It's been obvious for months that she is scared of disappointing Rob. She's scared of losing him. That she you know, is not meeting his expectations. So, you know, she's doing everything in her power. And the final struggle is going to be over work. 
um, because obviously work is a double-edged sword for Rob. Not only does it keep her out of the house and away from servicing him, but also she's with her family, which means that there is a danger that she will might actually start thinking for herself or speak to somebody about stuff. Um, there's a... I've, there's a lot of people on Twitter who you know go on about oh Helen's being so stupid why don't you just walk away and just sort of know how can you be so dumb um and Lucy is right when you say so unless you have been in this situation it is really difficult to fully appreciate it 20 years ago I was in this situation. In fact, the script writing is so good, it is almost like hearing some of the stuff that my ex used to say to me. That man never hit me, never caused me any physical harm. However, the mental harm that he caused me lasted me for years. It took me a good couple of years after a nine-month relationship to actually to be able to trust um, the opposite sex again to actually sort of believe that I had self-worth, to believe that somebody could find me attractive or anything like that because of the damage that man had done to me. So, no, so it is, it is really well written, but I don't think we should go through the assumption that, oh, it's all going to get a lot worse and there's going to be a major disaster. So what's happening now is unimportant and is not bad. It is bad. It is really bad. And um, I, ju- I want them to finish this storyline story as soon as possible because it is becoming increasingly difficult to actually listen to it without getting more and more angry and frustrated. And I think that's all I've got to say on the matter. Um, keep up the good work. Love you both. Um, bye. Hello, Dumpty Dum. Goddess Diva here with an open letter to Royfield, Cosmo and John III. Dear all, I know you all think you're good guys and I tend to agree with you most of the time. I know you all think you're on Helen Archer's side and most of the time you are. I know you all think you are being the voice of reason. You aren't. What you are doing is enabling not just robs but all male abuse and violence against women. Think that's a bit strong? Not at all and here's why. Imagine that you are in a pub with some male friends, acquaintances, colleagues. It doesn't really matter who they are, just that they are men in your company and you don't know that one or more of them is abusive to women. One in three women experience abuse in their lifetime, so this is not outside the realms of possibility. You make some comments about abuse and how it's a dreadful thing, but really women are a bit oversensitive about it, aren't they? It isn't actually abuse if he's just a bit of a jerk or if he is a good father to the boy or he's just looking after her. You see these men who abuse women are smiling at your comments now because you've just validated them. You've excused their behaviour and the women in their lives are now going to suffer for it because you have bought into the narrative that says women need a bit of control or they get a bit wild or are a bit delicate and need looking after. Is that who you want to be? Do you want to be the man who makes an abuser feel comfortable and validated? I don't think you do. I really hope I'm right about that. I am right about that, right? Well, here's how you get past it. When women are telling you that you are wrong about a situation, listen. Don't talk over her. Don't patronise her. Don't try to be the voice of reason. Not only do you do her a disfavour by not listening to her lived experience, but you're treating her as irrational. And believe me, she will have had enough of that in her life. Have you ever been in a situation where something didn't quite feel right? Where your gut was telling you to run but your head was being overruled by clever words and manipulation and eroding of self-esteem. 
That is what the women in those relationships deal with all the time. And when they try to break through, the abusers get worse and the women end up saying sorry. Also, the dog whistle that only women can hear, not a thing. My timeline was filled with men who get it as strongly as the women where it comes to Robin Helen. You do not get to use your gender as a get-out clause. Ditto the ledger, ledger of behaviours. Not a thing. Not in an actual healthy and grown-up equal relationship. So, accept that it isn't all about you being right or wrong. Accept that you don't get a pass for validating abusers by saying they are abusers. Where the power is already unbalanced in a relationship, you are not providing balance. You're making an oppression worse. Accept that not only Helen Archer, but many women are in actual danger from their abusers. I say this to all of you in love and sisterhood and hope that you understand what I'm saying. Goddess Diva out. All right, now, okay. Now, I feel quite strongly about this, I do. Because... I very clearly said all the way through my little spiel last week that please don't misconstrue what I'm saying. I do not like Rob Titchener. Now, I'm going to refer everybody back to episode two where I said this man is a shit. And and in evidence, I, put, I, I lay before you all is the fact that he said that... Um, Annabelle is now chairman of the board at BL. That is terrible. They've got a woman to do that. And Helen did not say a word. And I went, I do not like this man. So I've had form for the last year of saying, I do not like Rob Titchener. Now, I know that me me being a man, it means that some people will misconstrue any level of subtlety in terms of me talking about gaslighting, which is a term I didn't know until about a year ago. But of course, emotional domestic abuse, I think we can all, um, if not, if we all haven't experienced it, we all know it, at least when we hear it on a drama. And what I was trying to say last week, and I obviously didn't say it clearly enough, is that from Helen's point of view, she is not privy to all the things that we are as the listeners so when some listeners are saying helen 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 you stupid stupid woman you need to just get rid of this man of course she should but she's not privy to all of rob's nastiness in the way that we are and i obviously didn't make that clear enough though i thought that i did and i kept on saying people do not misconstrue what i'm saying please you know and in evidence of that i point you all to last week we heard the telephone call to Jess, Helen didn't. Rob lied to her. He is controlling, he is evil, he is absolutely no good. And without wanting to say, oh, it's really well written, as I say every week, but of course, it's really well written, as I say every week. And that is case in point, is that we know much more than Helen. So I just, you know, I think what I, one of the things that I said last week, which seemed to have set people off, was that there are dog whistles. And I will stand by that, but then I'll back it up by using a very personal kind of anecdote in this. The dog whistles were for us men that we weren't, there were certain things that Rob said way back last summer, which we just thought, oh, well, he's just a bit of a blokesy bloke. I remember way back when, in episode one, we talked about the fact that Helen, Helen had asked Rob, what did he want for Sunday dinner? And he said, none of this fancy stuff. I just want like a meat and two veg. He said, worthy the effect of that. 
Now, that in and of itself is somewhat innocuous, but put in place with a whole load of other behaviors, you start to see a pattern. And there comes a point when it isn't just he's a bit of a bloaty bloke or he's uh, whatever the expression is. This guy is somebody who he's trying to belittle Helen and he is, and he is a misogynist or a, you know a male a male sovereignist pig whatever he's controlling and and i think it's quite legitimate to say that at some point the women understood what was going on before men do because men for for eons we've been in this position in society whereby at one you know up until quite recently women were our chattels now in terms of the dog whistle thing and i appreciate that some people said that oh you've you've got to know etc but i think no sometimes um some sections of society some minorities it's quite legitimate for them um to be uh, let, let me put let me put the it's quite legitimate for other people not to pick up on signals and signs which they deem as being offensive. Now, last week, somebody said to me, Royfield, you're chippy. I took great umbrage. I didn't say anything, but I went, what? And he went, you're a chippy brummy. Now, for 99% of listeners listening to this who happen to be white, that's totally innocuous comment. But to Midmiss City... And to anybody who is black, that has a massive other connotation. And that means that you are, uh, you have a chip on your shoulder because of your colour. Now, when I went, you are, he went, you're a chippy brummy. That's an insult I could actually take on the chin and say, that's fine. But that for me was a dog whistle. And in a, with a group of maybe white friends, that wouldn't have been. So... I think we just when you have told to... me that I had no I, I couldn't understand why that would be a problem for you at all but there you go yeah there you go because I had to say and... to you so what would that have meant to you then and then you explained and it's it, it and I don't think that you are any the less the sensitive uh for me being somebody of color and the issues that people of color have because you didn't get that that needed to be explained to you mm. and and I think that the, you know one of the many brilliant things about this storyline is that it's been a slow drift you know rob just didn't turn up with the swish of his cloak and then with you know thunder and lightning behind him going ha 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 you know and then um you know say to helen you cannot leave the house etc um there were these little tiny signs of which if you are a woman who has been in an abusive, an emotionally abusive or physically abusive relationship, you read first. It was a dog whistle for you first. Other people just were just listening to a drama. Mm. Rob didn't walk in to uh, the archers being a baddie. He was the new hired hand, senior managerial hand uh, for Brian. And we, we were not to know that he was that he, this psychologically massively flawed figure. And it's been a slow burn and it's been glorious uh, for us as listeners to see that unfold. So, unfold, sorry. So, I repeat, go back to actually what I said. I was talking about uh, the fact that Helen is this, I'm not going to say broken, but she's a very complex character who... Um, for the last 15 years I can't when did she actually have her relationship with Greg 15 years ago no sooner no, earlier than that it was I mean sorry it? more recently than that mm. 
Well, anyway, so she has a relationship with a man much older than her, and he was m- much more psychologically, much more uh, obviously broken than than Rob. Much older. He obviously had no friends. He was incredibly uncomfortable in his own skin. Had his incredibly dysfunctional relationship with his two daughters who were over in France. Um, his wife had practically run away to get away from him, hadn't she? That's the reason why she was in France. His daughters didn't even like him. Um, and she was literally his only link to normalcy, wasn't she? Yeah. And he ends up killing himself. Now, why is it that Helen struggles to have uh, relationships with people who um, who we might see as being... Um, normal in the David Archer mold, in the Kenton mm. Archer mold, right? You know, Rob has a whole load Kenton's of faults. Kenton's not normal. Oh, come on. No, <laughs> he's but, a you know, but, but, he, No, I know what you mean. Yeah, I know what you mean. Just regular guys. He's just, a regular guy. He's yeah. a regular guy. Yeah. Helen can't do that. But it's and Helen's she, search for, endless search for perfection, isn't it? This insane standard of things that she sets herself. It, She's it, got it, to find guys that she thinks only she understands. But, but it isn't just that. Helen, at the age, she, El, Helen is in her early 30s. Mm. And Helen, in her early 30s, late 20s, thought, I am not going to find somebody. I need to have IVF. Mm. At a very early age. She's yeah. not in a, you know, she's not in her mid to late 30s. No. It tells you a lot about Helen. So for people to be saying, Helen, 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 you know, throw this man. Yeah, of course you should get rid of him. But she has, a, she is, you know, trying to latch on, hold on to somebody who, because she, she doesn't think that she's actually worthy of being in no. a relationship. She doesn't. Yeah. This was she's done this about face uh, with a lot of her principles. Mm. You know, she doesn't want to work in the shop anymore. She does, but she doesn't. Rob says that you shouldn't, and she's thinking about it. This isn't Helen Archer, mm. but she's prepared to compromise so many of her principles to be with somebody because actually she doesn't think that she's worthy mm. yeah a lot of people this week have been saying it's actually getting really really hard to listen to mm. and people who uh who said i'm just looking down my notes blind spirit said it was hard to listen to um i think john the first said that it was as well Mm. Um, yeah. Well, you know something's well written when it's just un- it's a compelling but uncomfortable listening. And oh no, sorry, uh, um, Yoko Bear as well said it was hard to listen to. And I complete, you know, and you. The thing is about this drama is that it is like a a many sided kind of dodecahedron or whatever the hell the heck it is, and that we're looking, we're all looking at the same thing, but we all have our own perspectives on it. You know that. Um, I looked at the uh, Roy and Lizzie storyline last year from a very different perspective than than maybe um, half the other listeners did because I've gone through something that they hadn't, you know, and ditto moinness with this. And, mm. you know, we all, ta- you know, we can be looking at the same thing, want the same outcome for the characters, but legitimately... Uh, come at it from a different perspective yeah. doesn't mean that my views or your views you know out trump each other though i will say though i will say just like contradiction to that point 
that I do take what Yokel Beer said is that sometimes you just have to say, well, if it's uh, an issue to do with women or an issue to do with being gay, or, uh, so ditto, let's say, with being, uh, let's say, black and understand that experience, that sometimes you have to just respectfully uh, take, take a back seat. You know, and I take yeah. that completely on board. But still, I did not say that this man was not evil last week. Mm. I did not say that he wasn't trying to be controlling. And I completely disagreed with what John the Third said last week. I didn't agree with what he said at all. Mm. And I'm not even going to go down the Cosmo road. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Very few people go down the Cosmo road. Well, they do, but they don't come back. <laughs> Should we play Yokel Bear's call? And then everyone will know then. what you're on about. Hello, Dunstum. It's Yokel Bear calling from the wilds of Wiltshire here. Um, I want to talk about Rob, first of all. Um, I think this week really laid bare what Rob's all about. He is, in my opinion, definitely gaslighting Helen. There's absolutely no doubt. Um, on that, I also want to just say a quick thing about the kind of debate that... Um, Royfield and Lucy had last week. Um, yeah, it's it's really difficult. One thing that I've learnt is that I can never truly, as a man, I can never truly understand the experience of a woman and what women go through. In the same way that I don't think a straight person can understand my my experience as a gay person. Now, that doesn't mean that we can't stand in solidarity with each other and be allies and and empathise and, you know, and help each other. But I think sometimes, the one thing that I have learned is listening to the people that... Um, experience this so it's about listening to women women who have been gaslighted women who have been in this situation or women who understand this situation um because you know without putting too fine a point on it i speak from a position of privilege as a man women have it much worse than the men in a lot of respects and um and i don't really know where this is going to be honest with you i'm just kind of rambling but it's something i just wanted to kind of get across um i kind of understood where royfield was coming from but i think it's something that i think women have to have the last say on to be honest with you because they only they truly understand what this situation is like but ending on a more positive note i thought this week's archers was the best in weeks less silly plot lines couple of new characters yeah well we'll see where that goes um but it was all really kind of character driven about the dialogue i love the whole bit about the maypole um just yeah it was it felt like it was back on form this week and i think that's really great and i want this to continue okay i'm signing off bye and he says we're back on form again character driven drama Mm. Lovely bits with uh, Lillian and Linda bickering about the boudicca of Borsetshire and, you know, Linda's had her nose put out of joint and all that sort of stuff. Lovely, lovely. Uh, back on form again, he says. Now we have a blithe spirit who thinks someone stole the maypole to stop the Morris dancers. <laughs> Hello, Dumpty Dum, Blythe Spirit calling. Just caught up with the week in Ambridge on the Omnibus on Sunday. There's an awful lot of talk about maypoles this week, wasn't there? And uh, I suspect 
that whoever actually reappropriated the maypole, aka nicked it and shoved it somewhere where no one could find it, was in order to do Ambridge a favour and prevent it from actually having any Morris dancing. But what did Linda do? She went and found the damn thing, didn't she? So there will be Morris dancers in Ambridge on May Day. There's a new character, Rex Fairbrother. Yet another voice from Central Casting, unfortunately. Um, I don't know about everyone else, but I'm finding it quite difficult to try and work out who all the male voices are and some of the female voices as well. Um, presumably when Toby, his brother, the other character, rocks up, he's going to sound exactly the same. It's just going to get even more confusing. I particularly liked the quote that Susan came up with, the Discord quote, which, as we know, was also uh, reappropriated by Margaret Thatcher. Lovely connection there, lovely irony. Really enjoyed that. But apart from that, all's well. Still loving the podcast. Keep up the brilliant work. And um, I'll talk to you again soon. In my Cheers experience, Bye. a sawn-off shotgun wouldn't stop a Morris dancer. <laughs> Once they've got all that stuff on, you cannot keep them down. Um, Can I just say, as someone who's very proud to call themselves English, right? Yes. But when you go to, like, you go to Brazil and you see those capoeiro dancers. Yeah. Right. Have you seen them? They're quite, they're quite sexy. There's a lot of jiggling and bottoms and booby boobies and all no, that. No, no, we're not talking about the same thing. The capoeira is where it's like martial arts and they pretend to Ooh. kind of like kick each other and they kind of duck and they all do it to music and stuff. They don't it actually touch each other at all. sounds a lot more exciting than Morris dancing. That's my point. That's my point. You can go to the four corners of planet Earth and you can see native forms of dance and every last one of them is... What have we Miles got? Miles <laughs> fucking Morris dancing. It's <laughs> people that waving around these little dish rags and whatever and skipping around a, a bloody big stick. My, How my friend, the hell did we have from, an empire? <laughs> my, my friend from Bavaria was over last mm. year and she watched this Morris dancing thing. But we sort of came across by accident in the middle of London with a bit of a perplexed expression for about two minutes then said, I think this is boring and also... I think they are being a bit stupid. <laughs> and I thought, you're from Bavaria. Oh, yeah, if they were wearing leather shorts, that would be all right. Slapping themselves. Yes, absolutely fine. That would be. But no, just because our lot are wearing funny colours and waving ribbons around and, you know, hopping up and down. That's silly, apparently. Oh, it, um... it does look pathetic. <laughs> it really does. It really does. Do you know what? Let's play mm. pool room. Mm. It's been a while, dum-de-dum, but my recent energies have been taken up with the emotional roller coaster that comes of supporting Derby County. And each week I've been playing catch up with the podcast that I'm still very much enjoying. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. After yesterday's end of season claps, I tuned into the Archers to forget my footballing worries, only to be reminded of it all once again with Adam referring to the great pairing of Clough and Taylor who of course have historic Derby connections. I have taken to my bed suffering from a relapse of football-related melancholia. Great work with the podcasts. Keep it up. And on my notes, all it says is, Paul Room supports Derby County. I don't know what that means. Right, now... Ah, it was mentioned, wasn't it? Somebody talked about Nigel Clough. But I thought he was Nottingham Forest. He was Derby County first. Ah, and Peter Taylor. Now, Brian Clough is the patron saint. Everybody, well, outside of the, the Midlands, Brian Clough is just associated with Nottingham Forest. But he cut his uh, he cut his teeth, so to speak, actually at Derby County first with Peter Taylor, his assistant manager. And he won a championship with Derby County. Now, that is the equivalent now of, let's say, I don't know, Burnley, you know, who are bottom, currently bottom of the Premiership, actually winning the Premiership. The, the 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 early the early 70s were a crazy time in English football, where you had Derby County. Uh, well, early to mid 70s, you got Derby County and Nottingham Forest actually winning the Championship. Uh, you had Leeds United, which were an absolute top team of the time as well. And uh, after he did his stint at Derby County, he then goes to Nottingham Forest and stays at Forest for near as damn it 20 years, I don't know, about 18 years or so. And they win the, the Division 2 Championship, they win the Division 1 Championship, which is basically the Premiership, and then become European champions not once but twice. So, uh, so what's happened this year is that Derby County were leading uh, the second tier of English football uh, called the Championship, which is really Division 2, for months and months and months with Steve McLaren, the ex-England manager. They were beating teams for fun. And I think as early, uh, as late as March, sorry, they were still top of the division and they've spectacularly fallen away. Devon Lock-like and they didn't even manage to make the playoffs in the end. And even on the last day, the last match of the season on Saturday, they were playing at home against Reading, I believe. Reading had nothing to play for. Um, if they'd have just won that game or even drawn it, they would have got into the playoffs. They spectacularly lost 3-0. So Paul Room is somewhat upset. And you know what I do to this, Lucy? Are you still talking? Sorry, yeah. I went off and folded up some washing because all I could understand <laughs> was blah, blah, premiership, blah, blah. Now you know how I feel when you do your monologues. Right. <laughs> I laugh heartily. It Jeez. was funny. Because <laughs> what is lovely oh, about... No, start again. <laughs> no, 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 no. This is going to be really quick. It's really quick, really quick. No, no that's right. fine. Yes, yes. Right. What's Bournemouth famous for? Beaches. And now they have a team in the Premiership. Oh, yes. Simon said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's unbelievable. They're like the smallest team ever 
in terms of resources, ground capacity, all sorts. They didn't even, they're not even just in the Premiership because every now and then you get a small team will sneak in because they've won the playoff final. They've only gone and won the Championship. Top team in the second tier of English football, Bournemouth United. I couldn't be so happy for them. Lovely bit of the world. You know, all those old codgers are going to have like Man United <laughs> fans and Arsenal fans, you know, knocking around Bournemouth, no, you know. Brilliant. Lower, lower the average age to 143. <laughs> exactly. Now, it's a very romantic, lovely story and uh, football is the richer for it. Good. <sighs> Feeling all right now? Yeah. Got that cigarette or system. Hey baby, I hear the blues are calling Tossed salads and scrambled eggs Mercy Greetings Lucy Royfield and all Dumpty Dummers from around the world Witherspoon and Angus Haggis here Today coming to you from our apartment in New York City And not the couch in New Jersey So you may hear some authentic Manhattan street noise in the background Well, it seems that Royfield has gotten his wish And the pace of life in Ambridge has slowed down a bit lately but I'm sure that we'll still find lots of behavior to analyze this week. First, a follow-up to your spirited discussion last week about Rob. Maybe he doesn't quite meet the criteria for being a full-fledged misogynist, but Rob is what many used to call an MCP, male chauvinist pig. Did you note how he called Helen gloriously absent-minded and ditzy? another of the many ways in which he reminds her of her second-class citizenship in their relationship. The telephone conversation he had with Jess was painfully fun, and I had hoped when she called him back that she was secretly tape-recording the call and would get him to again say that he had slept with her last Valentine's Day. But no such luck. I had a brief moment of sympathy for Rob when he referred to his cold and distant mother, but he never has any compunction about lying at the drop of a hat, in this case to Helen about the phone call in his effort to create the perfectly conceived and controlled wife and family. I also like the juxtaposition between Rob's enmity toward his mother with a sweet scene between Tony and Peggy, during which they experienced a loving moment in their own parent-child relationship. I did chuckle when listening to Susan Fallon and Kate talk about Emma's wedding planning. In one way, Susan did get a dose of her own medicine in having to listen to Kate say all these inappropriate things in front of her. But if I were Fallon, I would have gone all Donald Trump on Kate and said, you're fired. I think I've brought this up before, but is that a difference between Americans and Brits? Or is it just the residents of Ambridge who never directly confront each other? Please ponder. One thought on the possibility of new Pip going away to explore the world. Maybe she'll come back as old Pip and emerge from a shower saying that she had awakened from a strange dream in which she had rapidly aged and her voice had dropped by five octaves. Angus Haggis certainly hopes so. And he's reminding me that it's time for a walk. Our time is up. Talk to you next week. Hey baby, I hear the blues are calling Toss salads and scrambled eggs Mercy Right Who's next? Cosmo, in it He has given us the financial news Cue music Hello Dumpty Dum, Cosmo here again Packing for my trip to Canada has started 
Indeed, by the time you publish this, I might even be there. Wi-Fi opportunities will be limited, so it may be email only if I can get in touch. Last week on the podcast, we spent some time discussing family relationships. And this week, I've been up to London to see Rules for Living, which examines some fractured familial relationships, as well as providing some very smart entertainment. Stephen Mangan and the rest of the cast were in fine form, even if some of the action was a little contrived. I hope that others might get to see it. I've promised for a while to deal with the saga over Ed Land, which is now very comical, which is just as well. He took on the land originally because it was on the side of a hill and unsuitable for the estate to put down to Marable. So one can assume that it slopes and therefore is not the sort of more or less level land for which the Fair Brothers are searching. Ed failed to pay the rent on time on Christmas Day. He then received formal notice from the estate, at which point he would legally have been denied access to the land. Ed, with Eddie's guidance, consulted the Tenant Farmers Association and identified that he would have to cough up the missing rent and court fees to have the lease reinstated. To do this, he sold four of the cows and then within a week did the sums and realised he'd have to sell the rest because it was no longer viable. This timescale was no doubt forced on the writers by the impending flood of which they were aware. Consequently, Ed and the estate would not have had time to go through the legal process to reinstate the lease. It can take a long time before he took the decision to give up the herd. So Ed had no need to do a deal with Charlie over the hedges and he cannot pass on the lease to the Fair Brothers because the lease ended back in January and cannot have been reinstated. (sighs) Never mind. It's these little details which exasperate the listeners. And of course, now apparently the land is flat enough for the Fair Brothers, so presumably the local tectonic plates shifted again during the flood, uh, which is why there's been water all around the areas in the wrong places for months. Two other financial matters before I head off to ride the trains in Canada. One, why is Mike not complaining about the loss of customers now he is delivering such inferior milk from another supplier? Part of the original marketing which went on interminably was pushing the point about the quality the product they were supplying. Surely the USP has been undermined, and as we all know from listening to the archers, getting the brand USP right and sticking to it is important. Secondly, why is Lillian moaning about having nothing to do? With Tiger having departed and changed his spots or something similar, and Anthea having also gone, there was no one to administer all the properties particularly that big meal conversion in Webster Bridge, which was going to make them rich. Given that Mac cleared the bank account, surely Lillian needs to manage the properties to maximise returns, increase rents, ensure that insurances are in place, gas and the other testing is up to date, look at the ones worth selling. Indeed, perhaps Hillside could be sold to the Fairbrothers, and so on. She should be busier than the average 68-year-old. On another topic... I've been watching a fly-on-the-wall documentary about the BBC, in which our Lucy appears to have a starring part as a TV producer. It seems odd she's never mentioned it on the podcast. Bye! Um, and also, he's right. He said, how come, if the land was too steep for, the, for Borsetshire land to want it... Mm. or whoever they are, Charlie's lot, 
how come it's now not it's now flat enough for the Fairbrother brothers? Uh, and also, what is Lillian doing, and where the hell is Fair Mike? Fairbrother brothers. Mm. The Fairbrother brothers. The Fairbrother brothers. <laughs> They're called the Fairbrother brothers, aren't they? They are. They are. It yeah. just sounds so peculiar to say it. I know. The Fairbrothers is. But only in the Archers would you have two characters whose only point of interest is the fact that they're brothers and call them fair brother <laughs> you might as well just call them you know it's not by accident Sibling that brothers. all these old families no, and characters are all yeah. coming back yeah. and there's all this discussion in the pub so to keep to keep us uh, listeners up to date you know oh so that'll be your yeah. and yeah. you get you know so there's david you know saying to it oh, i no, love the way you know when um you know when when Joe kept saying, "All right, then Rex Fairbrother, I will have another point, Rex Fairbrother." Mm. Um, even David introduced him. Someone and said, "Oh, hello, you're um, you're uh, now I've forgotten your name." And he said, "Rex yes. Fairbrother." And we all <laughs> said it together, Rex <laughs> Fairbrother. We've got it. We know who he is. Mm. God dear, that living in an old people's home sometimes. Um, yes, Eddie, where is Mike? We've not seen hide nor hair of him, have we? For no, ages. We are they moving? Are they not moving? What's going on? Nothing. Mm, I would say this is sloppy plotting. Ploppy spotting. <laughs> yes. Sloppy plotting. I've Lucy. now had three quarters of my glass of beer, so I definitely <laughs> cannot say splotty plopping. <laughs> ah, right. And oh, one of the things I loved this week, this isn't a call, but I just loved it, was one of the things I've realised that I absolutely adore about Linda mm. is the fact that she always pronounces French words that are in, you know, are used in the English language all the time. Commonplace French words with this outrageous French accent. <laughs> so yeah, last week she said brioche. Nobody says brioche. Not even French people say brioche. <laughs> we'll have to get Jacqueline Bertou to ring in and tell us how you say it. And she said, yes, it's a little bit de trop, she said. And last week there was some, something else. Oh, camaraderie. Yes, well, we have such camaraderie in this village. <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's just lovely. It's such perfect uh, character um, roundedness to notice that. Um, not to notice that, you know, to notice it enough to write about it. Um, All them John... French people are over here at the moment. Are they? Yeah, yeah. London is something like the sixth biggest French-speaking city in Europe or something or another. It's really? so, something outrageous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're all in northwest London as well. Oh. Uh, property prices in northwest London are going up because of the French. Massively so. Uh, mm-hmm. French schools opening up. Boulangeries are opening up. It's just, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're all leaving they're all bloody France it. in droves. Yeah. Well, mm. talking of bloody France, let's mm. go to Jacqueline, who says, we'll do her call now. Hi there, Royfield and Lucy. It's Jacqueline Berto from Sanguen in Brittany. I thought I'd um, ring in with a little prediction. I've been thinking about Alistair and Shula. I don't think that Ducky Lucky and Shula will get it together. Something will happen to remind her of the mess it could make of everything she has in her life if she has a fling or drifts off with uh, the doctor. And anyway, with me, for me, it doesn't really sit with her card-carrying Christian role. Or maybe I've misunderstood that. Um, Alistair is definitely being weird, but I find it hard to imagine he's gone back to the gambling. Oh, makes me feel very, very odd, that. 
I feel the storylines have been a bit lacking in fluidity uh, recently, and I, 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 it's making me feel that um, something's going wrong somewhere. Maybe there's too many writers, maybe there's not enough communication between them. That is apart from the continued story of Rob and Helen, which is getting oh, a bit uh, desperate, I think. Helen irritates me, but, but Rob makes my skin crawl. But we've heard in one episode this last week, um, both sides of Rob and just goes to prove what an evil person he is. She says she can't see Shula and Dr. Dick getting it together because she said something will happen and then she will realise what a brick, no brick, I said, uh, Alistair actually is and... Um, <laughs> Uh, you know, that uh, that they should stay together. So there'll be some near-death thing or he'll help Auntie Cardboard when she has a heart attack or something like that. I just think she's going to get a bit of a slap down. I just think Dick's a nice guy, Dr. Dick, and she thinks, aye, aye, he hasn't, you yeah. know, he's, he's divorced and yeah. she's going to make a half of a play and he's going to go, don't be silly. Oh, cringy, cringy. Mm. Mm. That's what I reckon's going to happen. Hello Dumpty Dum, it's John from Newcastle here, aka John the First, the first and the original, which is very nice. I do like that nickname, I think I'm going to try and use it all the time now. Uh, I've had quite a busy couple of weeks. I went down to London for a couple of nights with my partner Richard and we got engaged, which was very nice. Uh, regular listeners will remember that I ordered Richard out of his own kitchen for laughing during the scene where Otto gored Tony. Uh, so I did feel very guilty about that at the time, but I think I've been forgiven because he did accept my proposal. Just as a bit of a side note, while we were down in London, we went to the theatre and managed to catch Women on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown, starring Tamsin Gregg, a.k.a. Debbie Aldridge. If you are in the London area over the next couple of weeks, I do recommend seeing this. Unfortunately, it's closing early, but I think there are a couple of weeks of the run left, so if you do get the opportunity, do go and see it because it's brilliant. It's just going to be a very quick call from me this week. I just want to add my two pence worth to the debate that started over Rob last week, everybody's favourite villain. I think I side with Lucy on this one. This is a really abusive relationship and it's really starting to make me feel quite uncomfortable while I'm listening to it. I think it came to a head this week with the way he's been taunting and goading Jess, who is clearly very mixed up and very unhappy and I you know fair enough she, she maybe shouldn't have done what she did but I believe that in her mind she thought he could have been the father I do believe that something happened I don't think she's made that up and I think there was an element of doubt in Rob's mind and I think that's why he dragged his feet for taking the paternity test because he knows that there was a possibility he could have been the father and now he's not um I think he's just been horrible to her down the phone but the thing is with this whole Rob and Helen situation it's almost starting to ruin the show for me because I listen to the show to be entertained and to unwind and just you know just in, enjoy the experience and the scenes with Rob and Helen are now becoming quite unpleasant and it's almost ruining the experience for me and I still love the podcast um, and uh, loving you too. And I also loved the open letter a couple of weeks ago. I thought that was absolutely brilliant. Um, have a good couple of weeks uh, and I'll speak to you again soon. Bye for now. Um, John the First has got engaged to Richard, not Dick. 
Um, <laughs> the one that he he sent out of his own kitchen for laughing when mm. um, when the Nigel ball... threw off threw himself off the roof. No, he laughed when Otto gored oh, Tony. Oh, that was it. That yep. was it. Mm. Anyway, he's been to see women on the verge of a nervous breakdown and recommends that. Look, why, we're not running a theatre listing service, people. <laughs> um, uh, but yes, uh, so that's all nice, and I can't remember the life of me what the hell he said about the archers. Uh, but I don't care because I like a nice wedding and I'm very excited that they're getting married and I think Susan Ray should do the the what's the the what do you call it the 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 the, the celebrant um, the, yes the celebration the bit the celebrant mm. bit because mm. she's qualified now isn't she yes, damn, she is. damn damn close hello Dumpty Dum this is Vicky Cole in Kenya I've got a few little things to say you were talking before about Shula, the actress playing Shula, Judy Bennett, doing children's voices. And I'm sure that once I saw a cartoon of Dennis the Menace featuring Shula. I don't think she was Dennis, but one of the other boys. And it was very, very funny. Um, I think you should definitely look at tea towels. I would buy tea towels in the shop. Please, please have those. And then this week, my favourite bit this week was the conversation between Linda and Jennifer about the Boudicca of Borsetshire, I was laughing out loud. That was so funny. And the most dramatic moment for me this week was the chilling conversation between Rob and Jess. And then when he was lying to Helen about what Jess had said, that she was feeling remorse and that they'd had an amicable conversation, that was awful. I just, oh, I was shuddering. Helen, get a grip. Okay, I think that's all for now. Love your podcast. Last week's was very, very funny. Um, keep up the good work. Bye for now. Finally, we have Vicky Cole from Kenya, who said, after I said that uh, Shula uh, used to play lots of small boys, play them, not play mm. with them, play them uh, on uh, Radio 4 Dramas. Mm. She said that she was watched Dennis the Menace on TV and one of the characters was Shula. He wasn't Dennis, mm. but he was one of Dennis's gang. What, Walter the Softy. <laughs> oh, yes, she would be Walter the Softy, wouldn't she? <laughs> um, and she would like tea towels in the shop, please. Oh, God. Right, this is what I'm going to do, right? You're going to stop telling people that you're going to do the thing and then oh. not do the thing. I promise, after I finished my Action on Addiction podcast i will i promise get off my chakras and all that malarkey will be available in the shop it will i promise I won't let you down <sighs> <laughs> oh we've done all the caller in or is uh we good right so uh let us take five and let's come back on the other side. Let's do a touchy millie, and then you can tell us all about your hashtag, the Archer's Tweets of the Week. Fancy getting your mouth around something warm? Something comforting you can really get a firm grip on? Why not buy a Dumpty Dum mug from the shop at dumptydum.com? Goes down lovely. Hello, I'm Sarah, and I'm the cousin of Sam Mary D. And I'll be with you in two weeks' time to talk about the archers, who we love, who we loathe. And I've got plenty to say. G'day, everyone. It's Millie Bell here. 
I'm a bit excited because I think I'm going to be going to San Francisco to catch up with a few friends that I've made on Facebook through the Arches. So I, I never thought I'd do anything like that. So I'm very excited today. I'm just starting to do some research now. So if any of you live in San Francisco or thereabouts, do let me know. Maybe we could meet up. We had a nice, a really nice week on Facebook, our Facebook page and a couple of th things that I just wanted to draw your attention to. Uh, we were talking about the fact that the matching of Kate to Fallon for Fallon's fledgling business was really funny and we, we all know that it can only lead to disaster. So we wondered who else could be matched to work or play together in Ambridge just for fun. Uh, Diane Telford said Shula and Alistair, sorry, too far-fetched. Uh, Witherspoon McCosh Wilson the 35th suggested Ian catering a private romantic dinner for Charlie and his date. Very naughty Witherspoon. Uh, Andrew Horn said Linda and Lillian, the 2Ls Llama Knitwear Collective. Rupert Brunn, who's always very naughty, said Lizzie and Roy. Ooh. And Valerie said it sh should be Kenton and Kate and called Tantrums Are Us. We also talked about the fact that the Fairbrothers had returned and I'm afraid you just need to brace yourself for some dreadful accents now uh, because we asked, are there any suggestions of other families from the past they should bring back to Amrick? Peter Mabbott said, Well, well, me old pal, me old beauty, I think the Gabrielle family be right for a return, don't you think? I'm sorry. Uh, Andrew Horn said, I'd completely forgotten about Elizabeth's uh, fair brother dalliance and agree that Gabrielle should return me old pals me old beauties and Guy Ladbrook said that it would be good if the perks returned absolutely loved the photograph of Witherspoon uh, showing off their t-shirts I love the fact that the dog's wearing a t-shirt uh, one other thing that caught my eye was from Archer's Appreciation and I'm not quite sure how I should say this because it's obviously not their real name, but I'll do my best. Uh, Hard South Spirch says, Tony's antique tractor killed John. Tony's pet bull nearly killed Tony himself. Then will Tony's toy car kill? <laughs> and the only thing, other thing that I wanted to say about our page was I was just so touched when we broke the news that Harriet had had her little girl uh, how many people responded to that? We obviously have a lot of people on our page who are not necessarily active, but when we share something so special with you, you all jump on and you like the post or you make a comment. And I really want to thank you for that because sometimes it can feel as though I'm just playing on the Facebook by myself and there's just a few stalwarts. But when I saw that, I thought, we really are a community, aren't we? So good on you, everyone. Um, I'll speak to you next week. Hooroo. Thank you for that little missive from a down under, Miss Bell. Uh, but Lucy, mm -hmm. why don't you tell us about your hashtag, The Archers, tweets of the last seven days? Yes. Christine Adgo says, Ginny Throgmorton is too exhausted to speak after dragging the maypole into her double garage. I <laughs> People say my... My... Double entendre is a bad... Sock Monster said, Charlie Culvert, wasn't he in casualty? <laughs> <laughs>
Steve Brooks said, a tea tent. Do not get Carol involved. You don't want the entire village tripping round the green. And uh, Tim Footman, who tweets us cultural snow, said, very uh, bit of uh, a bit of um, current affairs here, said, mm. I bet Rob was cheering for Mayweather. <laughs> yes. And... Oh, yes. I see what he did there. Yeah, very uh. good. See? Um, tweet of the week. This <laughs> made me laugh a lot. Was It was a, a, a frustrated little tweet from King Bag Carrier said, who said, are we going to get a whole episode about bird watching? Are you happy now? The Archers has too much drama in it nowadays, people. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just I, say, I feel your pain. King we Bag don't Carrier. have enough of King Bag Carrier on no, the show. No, we don't. He's been a bit quiet, hasn't he, recently? A bit quiet. Man's been, been struck mute for the last nine months. <laughs> <laughs> a touch of the Frieda fries. He's all big for this Yorkshire First stuff, have you noticed? What's Yorkshire First? Uh, the Yorkshire Regional Party. Oh, no, I didn't mm. know about that. Tell you what, Lucy. There's only going to be me and you left. Everyone else will have gone off to get independence. (laughs) (laughs) We'll set up the People's Republic of Dumpty Dum. It'll be fine. Well, hmm. we've got we've got a mid of finance minister, haven't we? Oh, Cosmo can be our finance minister. Yeah, you can do foreign affairs. (laughs) Sorry, that's not making the idea, is it? (laughs) Why is that so funny? It's not. <laughs> that was actually very good. That, that will make the edit. That will make the edit. So that, don't worry. Um, I was going to say I could do home affairs, but I'm not sure that's a good idea either. Mm. Anyway. Um, Who else we got? Who else we got? They can do something. Um, well, which of us is going to be prime minister? That's the question. I think should we just make? Um, we could make like. Um, why am I seriously thinking about this? <laughs> <laughs> I okay. This is what we need, people. We need you. Goddess Diva to... is equality minister. Hmm. Or oh, she's just Cosmo. Like... Cosmo's foreign affairs. Very true. He's no, the Tony Blair of He's never in the flipping country. Tourism minister. Tourism minister. Yep. Hmm. But okay, because we've just like ran out of ideas on this spectacularly fast. If you can figure out which one of the listeners should hold a post in the uh, the, the Dumpty Dum Jacqueline government. Jacqueline Berthoud is our French ambassador. Oh, well done. Like that. Oh, uh, Millie Bell's a governor general to Australia. Yeah. Mm. Paul Rim, sports minister. If he can keep optimistic about Derby County, he'll probably cope. <laughs> <laughs> I think Yokel Bear would be a good home secretary, actually. Really? Hmm. Oh, you sound you don't you don't sound approving of that. Mm, he's from Swindon. The, oh yeah, he could just be Minister of Swindon. That's fine. <laughs> um, Blythe spirits, culture. Uh, I think. Lucy. Yeah. What did I just say? Uh, you said because we haven't got any ideas, and could people please ring in? And now I've interrupted you and gone on and on and on. All right. So please, dear listener, <laughs> feel free to email, tweet, or send a semaphore or whatever you want to us in the next seven days with your suggestions of who should be a minister in our government, please. Which I think be somewhat timely because we'll have the general election to digest as well by then. Yeah. Is the past participle of tweet twat? I don't see why not. Okay. If you've twatted us. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> You're so naughty. I've got to stop drinking this. <laughs> mm. uh, right, so we done. We, we are. finished. Yeah, right. Uh, this is this has been good. This is this has gone at a clip. This is really good. I'm feeling quite positive that we might bring this show in at round about an hour. An hour and a That's half. the holy grail. Holy grail. You've got no chance. Out. We're on 54 minutes now. Yeah, without but Lucy, the... we spoke for seven minutes before we started. The yeah, show. and br- you broke the leg off your tripod, didn't you? Yes. Yeah. So we can do this. We can okay. do this. We really can. Okay. Right. So, shop news. Yeah, Who shop news. What? Right. Let, let me get quick, the script. Quick. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so, shop news. Yes, folks, it's the section of the show where we tell you which dum de has brought what. Now, guess what, Lucy? What? Morris. Who? What's it? How do you pronounce it? Hengen Hen? <laughs> Hennigan. Yeah, Hennigan. Morris Hennigan from London has brought an organic men's t shirt dark. Now, no doubt that was inspired by Glyn Fuller Love's buffness in his t shirt. We seem to have had a bit of a run on organic dark t shirts all of a sudden. We have. Because we had the buffest and the sexiest of models. Mr. Fuller Love. We salute you, sir. You're such a fine advert for our merch and for our wares. But also, we'd like to say thank you to... Mrs. Faller. Miss Tolhurst. And Morris, who we've just thanked. For buying, nay, investing in Dum Dum mugs and all manner of goff. Sorry, stuff. <laughs> <laughs> reviews, news. N- oh, God. All right. Uh, keep, uh, reviews, news, news, reviews. <sighs> Oh, that's not good. When Can you hear the tumbleweed? Go- I was going to say, you when hear the, the tumbleweed on the iTunes reviews pages? It's like, oh, God. Look, we're so close to 200. Just get us to 200, please. Please and do, because otherwise he'll... It stops him ringing me up and saying, what can we do to make them do more reviews? So, When's the last yeah. time I actually rang you up and said that, Lucy, if ever? Mm couple of weeks ago you tend to come back to it when you're feeling despairing and mm. another thing <laughs> anyway you can also go to patreon.com search mm. for dumpty dum and you can donate two dollars a show which is about one pound thirty and sam mary d has on her budgeting spreadsheet debris she's put us down as cultural activities yes and then she put raises eyebrow which makes me think she's not taking that terribly seriously. <laughs> oh, I've forgotten an email. Elizabeth Church, sorry. Mm. Uh, she was saying that um, speculation that the rent on Keeper's Cottage will increase and the Grundys will be homeless again. But no matter how much it is, it is improved, it's still a rather unlovely semi-detached cottage and market rent won't be much more than they are already paying. Hazel could sell, but with interest rates low, will she make as much as she was? I think we have a competitor for Chancellor of the Exchequer in Elizabeth Church. Hmm. Hmm. What's interest rates got to do with uh, selling the property? That's so interest rates are only of any importance if you're trying to raise a mortgage. And, and, oh, and, I don't know. But, and also, surely... No, 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 I no. You property... can't just gloss over on this. Am I missing <sighs> something here? Yes. You generally are, so I'll just say yes. But... Surely. I've got more of a well. grasp on this subject than you. Yes, I know, but it's so boring, isn't it? We've no. had Dolby County and football and Nigel Clough and now we're on interest rates. <laughs> but 
Aren't properties in Ambridge like hen's teeth? Are you sulking mm. now? No, not at all. Okay. Not at all. Uh, properties in Ambridge, are they like hen's teeth? Rare. Mm. Mm. No, there are properties in Ambridge, but the, the problem with Ambridge is it's a lack of uh, new housing stock. Hence, the younger characters uh, have got no homes to go to and have to uh, really leave the village. You know, in every kind of rural setting in the UK, the youngsters have to toddle off to a yeah. bigger town, don't they? Yeah, like Penny Hassett. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> go to the bright lights of, the bright of Penny Hassett. Yeah. <sighs> it's got two post boxes. Right, we'd like to thank uh, Morgan Johnson, who's donated to the Royal Portraiture Bank of Dumpty Dum. And you can also donate to the said same bank by clicking on the donate button on Dumpty Dum. So go on because you know you want to, because it's quite mm. nice to donate. It's like, you know, um, but you know what? No, forget that. This week, if you're going to donate, donate to Nepal. Screw yeah. Dumpty Dum. Do that. Leave us, a, leave, sing us a Dumpty Dum, and give the money to Nepal. That's what you should do. If you have donated money to Nepal, sing us a Dumpty Dum. There you go. We don't need your money. Those those people need it much more than we do. All right now, remember you can also send us a voicemail message on our site because that's the lifeblood of the show. Because without it, uh, the show is bereft of you, the listener. Don't be making us all bereftful. So go on. Bereftful? Yes. That's a word I've <laughs> You've invented. Done it again. Yep. And but I knew that was a rubbishly made up word. Yes. And it was deliberately said so. Mm. So so we don't need to be bereftful. <laughs> Send us in a dumpty dum on Don't bereftigate us. Zero three one three one zero five from your phone and that'd be cool. Or you can ping us a regular email message if you like if you go on to dumpty dum or you can tweet moi on the twitters where i'm at royfield <laughs> me at lucy b free oh shut up with your sniggering <laughs> yes yeah, so, listen this i tell you mm. what this is this is the sum total of a comprehensive education there you go right I, or you can tweet I us had an yeah 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 but you then you went on to uni and you did all of that stuff with your u, posh uni pals and whatever <laughs> Mm. or you can tweet us both on at Dumpty Dum on the said self same Twitter so please 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 keep those reviews coming because you want to be top of the podcast well we're not ever going to be top of the podcast no. charts without any reviews no. are we no we need to re- as well as retiring that news of reviews section we need to retire this bloody last line <laughs> but we might as well just trot it out anyway for the <laughs> sake of tradition Give it a run around the paddock. <laughs> <laughs> so please, please, please keep those reviews coming because we want to be top of the podcast charts before Rex and Toby Fairbrother join the Bullingdon Club. Yay. Yay. Ah. And I've just finished my beer. That was very well timed. Well done, us. Yes. All right. Uh, you got anything you want to say before we go? Mm, no. Are we going to tell people about our new sponsor on sir, next oh, week? Oh, yes, 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 oh, yes, yes, yes. Go on, why don't you tell them? No, next week we're going to tell them. Oh, okay. We'll keep them in suspenders for a bit longer. And, mm-hmm. uh, no, I've got nothing more to say. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Um, uh, please, people, good people, um, have a quick listen to my uh, 
1001 Conversations uh, first episode Thingamy Bobbly, which is on, uh, which I've done for the charity Action on Addiction and they have uh, a res- residential uh, refuge for women who um, are kicking the habit of uh, drug and alcohol addiction and I recorded conversations with them so there's going to be a little snippet of it round about now after I finish speaking and then uh, please listen to that podcast because they do some great work goodbye everybody see you all again in approximately seven days time for some more archers related chat (laughs) (laughs) well probably 10% archers related chat oh come on just (laughs) come on it's easily easily I would say 85% archers related chat do you think Yes. Oh, come on. That Derby County and English football thing. How long did that take up? Three uh, minutes? About two and a half days. Three minutes. <laughs> See, that's the difference between you and I, is <laughs> I have a much wider wealth of experience that I can yes. just throw at this podcast. You're yes. so narrow. Yes. If it's not being written by Enid Blyton or some <laughs> other dead white English person, you know, it's not relevant and you're not interested. Yep. Yep. I've got to the age now where <laughs> I don't have to pretend anymore. I don't care. Me and Sandy Toxvig. Yep. That's it. Well, she's the exception that proves the rule. She's not English, is she? That's very true. <laughs> Clearly, I don't know what I'm talking about. So I'll be quiet. Who hmm. else? No, I can't think of anyone else. Ah, oh, dear. All right, then. Okay. I, uh, get, I hope you get on all right with all your editing. Will do. Sure, I will. Goodbye, okay. Lucy. Bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The secret to visibly firmer, summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code GLOW.